Shalom and welcome to Torah to the People, a podcast from Temple Israel in Memphis, Tennessee. I'm Rabbi Micah Greenstein. We hope you enjoy this selection of our sermons, classes, and conversations with inspiring people from across the Bluff City and around the world. Friends, exactly three years ago, three weeks, wasn't it? It seems like three weeks ago. Tonight, our 168-year-old congregation installed as its president for the first time a former high school English teacher named Lee Bame Mansberg. She is known as the queen of metaphors for you seniors graduating from so many different high schools and heading to just as many different colleges and universities or taking a gap year. What is your favorite life metaphor? Is it life is a song, we each get to write our own lyrics? Or perhaps life is a puzzle, you can only see the picture when you put all the pieces together? Or maybe life is a garden with care and love, you can cultivate something beautiful? The great thing about metaphors is that they help us to better understand the world, even if they don't depict the world literally. Metaphors possess a power that captures our spirits and our minds. Professor Nicholas Christakis at Yale University uses metaphors in discussing his book, Apollo's Arrow, The Profound and Enduring Impact of the Coronavirus on the Way We Live. But before I share his metaphor, he gives us some facts that are very timely. I quote, This is a $16 trillion virus, $8 trillion of damage to our economy, and $8 trillion more due to the death, disability, and illness the virus is causing us. The economic ramifications are inevitable because economies need social interaction, and that ceases during pandemics. It's not we who are causing our economy to collapse, he reminds us. It's the virus. He continues, and I quote, I don't think people fully appreciate what has happened to us yet. Plagues, if you study history, are a time of loss. We lose our lives. We lose our livelihoods. And we lose our way of life. Pandemics also inflame all kinds of dark tendencies that result in widespread fear. He adds, it's very typical in times of plague to demonize other people and to blame them. Now, his prediction about the remaining timeline of this pandemic as we clean up the social and psychological destruction in its wake, he says we all need to deal with virus-related disability, gaps in education, job loss, higher taxes, inflation, as COVID-induced issues for a while. But class of 2022 and everyone else, the good news he says, is that by the middle of your sophomore year in college, he predicts a post-pandemic period. The professor says it will be a little bit of a party like the roaring 1920s following the 1918 pandemic. Like any other collective threat, he says, those of us who survive 
will rejoice. But Christakis begins by utilizing a metaphor, a thing regarded as representative of something else. When the tsunami hits, this disaster sociologist writes, the only thing people do is try to survive. It is only after the tsunami recedes that you can see the damage. It's only then that you can see the homes destroyed, the lives shattered, the need for emotional repair. It's only once the tsunami is gone when you can see that. But of course, he wasn't just talking about tsunamis. He was talking about COVID-19. Now, this evening really does feel like the first normal in-person Shabbat service celebrating high school grads in three years. But everyone here and everyone watching went through the tsunami. And now that the worst of it is done, in Jewish time, we are post-Passover on the other side of the Red Sea, en route to Mount Sinai in this period known as the Omer, 49 days. Tonight is the eve of day 35. And my colleague and friend, Rabbi David Wolpe in Los Angeles, asks, just think of how our Jewish ancestors must have felt looking back on the plagues alone. The Egyptians got the worst, but each plague was a series of trauma for every person. It must have terrified our Jewish ancestors, you know? Frogs from the sky, the lice, boils. Even if we know how it ends, they didn't know the song Dayenu while it was going on. They came to the sea not knowing if the walls of the sea would come crashing down. They see Egyptians drowning as they're trying to get to the other side. Imagine you are they. You don't know what's going to happen. And then the tsunami is gone. You keep running to get to the other side. And as you do, you see more people, your own people, who have drowned as the tsunami recedes. And we know from the Torah what happens afterward, right? Our ancestors were miserable. They complain. They build a golden calf, which my friend suggests could be interpreted as a reaction we now call PTSD. Our ancestors had such trauma that they needed something they didn't have to hold onto because they didn't know how to live after the tsunami. Class of 2022. Life brings tsunamis more often than we think. We talk about how unprecedented the pandemic has been, and it has been in its own way, but every lifetime brings a series of things unprecedented, right? A decade ago, it was the financial crisis. 10 years before that, 9-11. 10 years before that, the fall of the Soviet Union. Non, not so long before that, Vietnam. Before that, the Holocaust. Human beings go through tsunamis in one way or another far more often than we think this Yale professor says. Because when you are in your tsunami, you forget about all the other tsunamis. This is the only one that matters. But survivors have the advantage. And we're all survivors. 
of being able to look back and see what it takes to make it through in the aftermath. And one of the things I hope we can all recognize during these weeks in Jewish time, the Omer, one of the things we can all recognize is that all these tragedies had an element of miracle. Right after the Holocaust and Yom HaShoah comes the birth of the state of Israel, Yom HaAtzma'ut. Right after the day we remember the Holocaust comes the day we celebrate the miracle of the state of Israel. Every tragedy has elements of a miracle. Think of the vaccines developed so quickly after COVID hit. It's a miracle. Even for those of you, I see some of you here tonight waiting to say Kaddish for a loved one who died. The miracle is that they were with you and that you can remember them and celebrate their lives. The miracle is that we're lucky enough to share them. Not that tsunamis always bring people together. The history teaches that trauma often pulls you apart. Just look at what's going on in the United States and around the world. How less coherent everyone is. We don't feel connected. It's not surprising, right? After isolation, our ancestors, after going through slavery, the 10 plagues, the Red Sea, they didn't feel so connected to each other either. Everybody went through their own private hell. Yet somehow, here's the miracle. As the Torah records, they still stood as one at Sinai. Ex-slaves and prophets, senior adults and teens, class of 22, families, what you likely won't hear at any of your school ceremonies, any of the 16 high schools, but I hope you will remember on this Shabbat in your honor. What I hope you will never forget from the history of the Jewish people is that it is possible to regain that which we have lost. For no matter what has happened, no matter what our differences, the Jewish people have done it again and again and again. We are who we came from, and we're all part of this faith family. As Rabbi Wolpe asks, what people have done it, uh, uh, no, that's me. What people could be more scattered and isolated and lost and bereft than the Jewish people after the Shoah. What did a Jew in 1948 Palestine who survived Auschwitz have to do with a Jew who grew up in the land of Israel from Arab lands or a young Jewish high school graduate who came over from America? What did each of these Mount Sinai graduates share except that they had a common purpose and that they believed that connection and love was the cure. I'm almost done. We have a lot of judgment. There's a lot of anger out there and apathy, a lot of canceling and dismissal. That's not surprising because back to Professor Christakis, that's what you get in the wreckage of the tsunami. 
But now that we're in this month of all your high school graduations, we take a deep breath and realize that we can heal, we can rebuild, and we have to love. Now, final point, it took our Jewish ancestors a while through the desert. Didn't happen in a day, doesn't happen in a week, even in a year. But when you think about it, and here's the punchline, in the end, our ancestors didn't have to cross the Red Sea anymore. They crossed the Jordan and entered the promised land. And you will too, seniors. When your parents decided to do something about raising you Jewishly, whether it was first entering religious school here or Baron Hirsch, Beth Shalom, or in another city, you probably made one of these. When you're a consecration student in kindergarten, you create a Torah. Around seventh grade, as a bar bat mitzvah, you hold the Torah and chant from it. In 10th grade, you share it as a confirmation class. But now, as you prepare to leave home, we celebrate you individually as living Torahs, rising college students and young adults, following a three-minute musical video retrospective on the big screen from your earliest years to this graduation Shabbat. Those of you who are in-person seniors, as you hear after this video, lichilach, recalling the blessing each of you are and still becoming, if you'll please come forward and form a line for your final Torah passing as a high school graduate. And I want you, after this video, as you come up here, to think of this Jewish moment as blowing out the candles on your high school Jewish birthday cake. When the Torah is in your arms, take a few seconds to make a private wish for yourself and for those you love. Take your time on this special Shabbat because we never want you to stop making Jewish wishes. Our people always have. But first, please watch the big screen. 